going to bask in that a bit. Stand on the cliff <laughs> as the sun rises over Southtown. Yeah. I'm Terry. That, well, yeah, you could be. You could be Andy or Joe. Hmm. I'm Terry. Oh, so now I have to be second fiddle because you were last well, week. Well, yeah. What was we I We talked last about time? that. You were Knuckles. That's right. I was mm-hmm. Knuckles the Echidna. Yeah. Who is easier to play in the Sonic 3 expansion than Knuckles, but not as fun. Hmm. Well, you know, um, there's a website called Rad Repro. You ever heard of it? No. Yeah. Boy. Well. You don't have to tell me about it either. They. Fine. <laughs> I won't. Hell with it. We're supposed to shill at the end of the episode. Well, anyway, Red Repro sells a, okay, uh, a cartridge it's, it's, uh, that has, uh, you don't have to do the swap. Mm-hmm. It's got Knuckles and Sonic 3 both in one cart. That's, well, that's pretty cool. Whether I run that shop or not, that's cool to me. I think that's, that's a neat thing. Well, whoever does is getting some free press here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well deserved. If you say so. Does quality work, I think. Never had any complaints. Why would somebody complain to you about Rad Repro? Hmm. You don't run it. You don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> I am undone. I gotta go. <laughs> well, you have to go make some more Sonic cartridges? Yes, exactly. No, so, no, no. Uh, so, no, episode this... four, greatest podcast in the world, Gaming greatest. AM. Yeah, and it just got even better because now we're SNK characters. Mm-hmm. I am Terry Bogard, and you are uh, Andy Bogard. I like Joe. Want to be Joe? Yeah, I can be, be Joe. Joe. Yeah. Yeah, Andy's I don't have boring. flowing blonde hair. so. Well, and, and the only really thing Andy's really got going for him is his girlfriend. Because mm-hmm. she's fine. Yeah. She's fine as hell. Terry banged her. Really? No. Oh, because you're Terry. Exactly. Okay, got it. I'm, Terry I'm, banged everybody. <laughs> that joke went over my head. Oh, it's a bit I'm fucking up again. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> I have a, a couple things I want to... Uh, talk about well so do i as long as you don't talk about red repro wait okay i won't that's the end of the episode i'm done (laughs) go on hey denny you want a job (laughs) i'm still gonna have to push the button why don't you grab up a headset denny and we'll uh yeah because i i no 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 you i'm out do it from in there don't come in here (laughs) stinky fuck yeah it's whoo okay all right, go on. Why don't you go first? I always no. You go first. Go, Leave. Okay, I'll go Leave. first. We got a thing going. Here. I got to. Uh, I I was reading a thing um, online. The the Coleco Chameleon. Now, okay? what is the Coleco Chameleon? Because I've read a little bit about it, and I've watched some videos on YouTube about it, and seen some people talk about the controversy. And I don't know why, but it's still going over my head. I still don't grasp it. So okay, I want if you explain this, and I still don't grasp it. It's a lost. I'm not even going to bother. Yeah, it's not even worth knowing about. Probably if I can't explain it. But the reason I want to talk about it is because I'm really frustrated by it, and I just want to uh, vent that on the air. But basically, (laughs) it was supposed. It's a cartridge-based system. Okay, they want to go back to the old days, cartridge-based, no moving parts, everything solid state both the hardware and the carts, it can do 8-bit. And now I'm talking Atari 2600-style 8-bit. It can do NES-style 8-bit. It can do 16-bit style. It can do up to Neo Geo-style, you know, 24-bit style. All these different cartridges. It all depends on what hardware is in the cartridge, much like Neo Geo, where the hardware and the cartridge kind of determined what it was going to be able to put out. This sounds amazingly too good to be true. And it was. That's the problem. So 
the people behind the Coleco Chameleon wasn't called the Coleco Chameleon. When I first heard about it, it was called the uh, the Retro VGS, Retro Video Game System, and it was just and it's going to use a uh, you can plug in like some of the older style controllers, and it. it's going to have a USB style interface and then an eight pin interface, different interfaces for the controllers. But essentially, you would be able to use old style controllers with it to really get that old feel. They had one of their own that you could use, but you could plug in another adapt others from the old systems to, mm. to work. So if you were going to play a, a SNES style game, you could use SNES style controller, uh, that sort of thing. And then they talked up emulation later on of emulation of you could plug a SNES cart in with an adapter and it would play on it. You know, that kind of thing that wasn't going to be at the beginning, but that would come later, that sort of thing. But what they had out of the box was pretty impressive. That's like, that's pretty cool, man. The cartridge based system in, in today's, climate that's ah, that sounds cool man so i was really excited about it and i followed it for a really long time and eventually retro vgs they partnered up with coleco became became the coleco chameleon and i'm like okay so now they're going to call it you know they're going to use that to kind of boost themselves and they were already using for their the shell of the system was an atari jaguar and they're like this is going to save us a ton in costs by having one of the guys that was working on the retro vgs was a form a uh, former atari guy He's like, I can get my hands on the mold of the Jaguar. We can use the Jaguar. Well, now Jaguar, you know, isn't really known from you know, history. Doesn't remember it as like a great system. You know, it's, it wasn't like the time. I remember but, playing a really shitty fighter on it called Kasumi Ninja. I think. Well, uh, it had one game on it, uh, Tempest Two Thousand. Yes, which got uh, a ten in EGM. Uh, it, was gi- it was given a ten in EGM by uh, one of a rare ten by uh, Daniel Carpenter. See? I was just about to ask. Who is the clueless motherfucker that gave that game a 10? Now, it is a good game. Yeah. No game's a 10. Yeah. No game. Well, if you ask Danyan, Tempest, Tempest 2000 is a I'm 10. I'm sure he and has. And so is Super Monaco GP. They're both 10s. I'm sure he has a, um, like, a 108-inch monitor at home yeah. with uh, those systems hooked up just for those two games. Because if you have two games that are perfect games, you have to have it on a 108-inch screen. You, you know, it. at his house right now. Mm, real funny. Well, let's go over there and play some Tempest 2000. <laughs> There's some Super Monaco GP. So it doesn't matter how you remember the Jaguar. You know, it wasn't a great system and all that. If yeah, you have so the far, shell. It sounds like they're using the shell of the Jaguar for a better purpose than, right. than the Atari Jaguar. It, it doesn't matter. That's cool that they're going to reuse this thing. It's going to save them costs. But they're like, okay, well, we're going to go to Kickstarter. And get this thing rolling. Is this the part of the VH1 documentary where the group starts to fall apart and do drugs? It's going to get to that part. So this, oh, so this, this is, is just where be, you just we're start like to midway see the cracks. through. Yeah, we're we're okay. like midway through now. Right. Um, if it were that episode. So so is this the part where the band is doing really well and everything's going greater? Well, this is they're just getting started at this. Oh, point. this okay. So this yeah. is the very beginning when yeah, yeah. they're like you know the group that has all the passion yeah. and are just starting to come together. So Kickstarter is kind of like. The L.A. nightclub scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, now, continue. this is all based on – this is all stuff I read. I mean, I'm not the expert on this, and I may be even be getting some of the minor facts wrong. But they were going to go to Kickstarter, and they're like, we're going to get this thing rolling, go to Kickstarter. And then about a week before they went on Kickstarter, they're like, oh, we're changing things up. We're going to go to Indiegogo now. Okay, this is before Coleco. This is when they were still just retro VGS. Now they're going to go to Indiegogo. Now explain to me why changing is a bad thing. Because on Indiegogo, it's the type of thing where whether you succeed or not, you still get funded. On Kickstarter, you have to make this amount or you don't get paid at all. On Indiegogo, you set a goal, but if you don't make that goal, you still get all the money. 
So people are like, if people aren't behind this, you guys, you still get my money, you know, and I'm not really comfortable with that. So okay. you guys should just not even do it because no one's going to go on. Go yeah, on, yeah. On top once you of this, make you know? that, if that's the circumstance, once you make that change, like if Bloodstained or Battle Chasers was to go to Indiegogo before it got funded, I would have been very leery of it. As yeah. much as I love Koji Igarashi's games and as much as I love Joe Madera's Battle Chasers, like if I would have seen that switch for projects that I love. A week before. Yeah, a week before I would have been like, ooh. Yeah. I think Shenmue 3, something – no, never mind. That was a whole different thing about the crowdfunding with Shenmue 3. Like the whole thing was suspect because it was like Sony's going to fund this and we know they're going to fund this. And oh. It was a whole thing where it eventually it came still out. succeeded very, very well. Oh, yeah. It well, beat Bloodstained, didn't it? Yeah, but it, it is, I think, the highest funded game. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of deserves to be because it is – It's Shenmue. It's Shenmue. You yeah. look for sailors. Yep. I'm going to go look for some after this podcast. <laughs> That's what the game's about. Yeah. You look, but for yeah, some... I, I remember the company that was handling the, the 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 promotional campaign for the crowdfunding or whatever is doing it. They're they're like some shady group or oh wow. It, it, you came to find out that like Sony was going to back it all to begin with, and but anyway, that's that's a whole different. Yeah, I didn't follow and it, and it's old now. So yeah, I didn't follow it as closely. The bloodstained one, I was all over it. I really was was gung ho about yeah. that. Shenmue, I like a lot, but I just. Like, it started, like, a week after Bloodstain had ended, so I was still, like, high on Bloodstain. Like, well, oh, and then that came along, here, and it was like, oh. I was unemployed when the Bloodstain Kickstarter got announced, and I backed it at $200 on credit. That's how <laughs> That's how insanely excited I was about it. Yeah. I think a part of that was me just happy to see a 2D side-scrolling Castlevania-style game, yeah. and the other part of me was just like, fuck you, Konami. Oh, yeah, totally. We want this. Yeah. Igarashi certainly marketed to our frustration but you know what we're gonna get a great game out of it yeah i mean i'm still following it and the stuff they're showing is just really awesome Uh, i'm getting the email updates all the time from it and i also funded battle chasers at 200 dollars, which is a uh japanese style turn-based rpg which what a novelty for these these times you know but it's using the battle the characters and properties from the battle chasers comic which is a comic from the late 1990s okay fucking great comic yeah but um, it ended on a terrible cliffhanger, and he's bringing that back too. But I don't want to detract from the Kegel Chameleon story. <laughs> okay. The point, the point is, we're talking about crowdfunding. It's interesting there. stuff. Yes. Yeah. So like, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I will back something that I love. In fact, I think that's how crowdfunding gets its support. Is you know, if people just have an irrational affection for them. I was unemployed, and I crowdfunded two different projects at two hundred bucks a piece. So yeah. Which I one did you, you get? Huh? Which one did you get? Which console? I, Oh, PS4. PS4. In both cases, PS4. You get the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Wii U is probably the cooler one in terms of the novel. I'm just thinking it. about the map on the controller. And that's the only system I have, too. My yeah, that's true. That, that's going to that's gonna get in the way of it. I do like the novelty of playing classic games on a console that is more defined as a classic. I mean, the Wii U is by no means a classic console. But you associate Nintendo with classic-style gameplay. Right. So, I mean, my my Shovel Knight, I have a physical copy of Shovel Knight on the Wii U. Oh, you know, yeah. that's, we talked about that. I yeah. wish I would. I should I should get one anyway. Yeah. Even well, you I don't have a physical digi- copy? No, I got it digitally because it went on sale on the shop. Oh, and I was right. like, oh, I'll grab yeah. it. And then you were like, oh, you're the physical copy has like a cool manual and all this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, damn it. It's it's really neat. So that's why I got it because if it's a retro re- if it's a retro style release, I want I want it to be as authentic as possible. Yeah. But um, the weird thing is it's a, it's a sideways manual. It's like the old Nintendo manuals, yeah. Yeah. but it's large like the current manuals, but even getting a manual with a game is rare nowadays. Yeah, it's still cool. But yeah, I, I think the Wii U is probably the best choice for games that play in a retro world fashion, but 
the Wii U is in the bedroom, and I don't do my gaming in the bedroom very often. I do my gaming in my den. So anyway, go ahead. Coleco Chameleon, Ghost Indiegogo. That no, one. the Retro VGS. Uh, this is okay. before. Oh, this is before. So Coleco came in after, after. this mess. That's interesting. Yeah. So we're going to go Indiegogo now. People are like, eh, don't do it, man. You're not going to get funded. Oh, and also, we don't have a working prototype. I think you can get away with that with software. I think it's a lot harder to get away with with hardware. Yeah, we don't have because, a working prototype. Uh, we're going to Indiegogo, and- especially especially in these days when anybody can fucking put a console together that plays a cartridge. Yeah, you. you I mean, given your given your experience with Red Repro that you don't own, right? You could probably get the parts and put a console together, put a working console together. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. these guys are having it fun, crowdfunded, and they don't even have a working prototype. Yeah. Shit, man. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. You know, they asked for a few hundred thousand. They got maybe eighty grand, and then they abandoned it. They're like, "We're we know okay. we know when we're defeated." So they went away for a while, um, and then all of a sudden they announce, "Okay, we're partnered with Coleco now, and it's called the Coleco Chameleon, and um, we're going to bring a working prototype to uh, the New York Toy Fair." Cool. Okay, let's see it. So the New York Toy Fair rolls around. They had it there, and they were playing SNES games on it. And people were like, "Wow, play SNES games and all this, you know." And it has a they had a SNES controller plugged into it, and everybody's like, "This is really cool, man!" It's it's like you actually got one out there. You're laughing already. No, I'm just I'm picturing somebody bumping the table, and like the side of the chameleon falls over, and you just see the SNES inside of it. That happened. <laughs> you made that up. <laughs> but that happened at the show. Okay, it, get it's, the fuck out of it's here. It's not as as funny as we just made it. <laughs> the pictures that were coming out, basically, what they had is a. We're talking about the SNES two, the SNES Junior, the smaller one. Okay, okay. Right. It was the board. <laughs> it was the SNES two. They had taken the console apart. <sighs> they had the SNES two inside the Jaguar shell, and then they had duct taped. Not duct tape, uh, electrical tape, black electrical tape. They had covered the bit that sticks out the back of the the console. They had put oh, black man. electrical tape over it. So every you know, people online were posting all these pictures. There was all these YouTube videos of people. Let's look at the evidence. And nobody ever came out and admitted anything. You know, to this day, no one ever said, "Yeah, we were," you know, we didn't really have a working prototype. But the evidence was there. The pictures were there. The photo, everything was there. That they got this thing. With, it's a fucking SNES Junior inside, oh. and people are like, "Why doesn't the um, why doesn't the power light on the console work?" And they're like, "Oh, well, it's uh, it's hardwired in." They're like making all these BS excuses, like it's oh, it's hardwired in. That's not you know, it's not. You get up. the impression that they just. They're just doing something to show you something that works, and they're not thinking about all the questions that their intended consumer base are going to ask. Let's go back to the beginning and think about everything I said at the beginning, all the types of games that it was going to play mm-hmm. and all the things it was going to be the compatible with and all the controllers that it was going to have. And it, That's a massive undertaking. To come out with a cartridge-based system in this day and age is a massive undertaking, let alone one that can do all these things that they are purporting it's going to be able to do mm-hmm. right we, you know we don't have a working prototype we're never going to have a working prototype we're never going to get this thing under control unless we have some money to throw at it okay and then but they had coleco uh, but they're not going to make the hardware they're just we're slapping our name on it we're they're producing so, this you know well if they're producing it then why did they didn't throw any money at it 
maybe they did, but it wasn't enough. So getting to that point, I read an article um, by one of the, um, a technical guy, a guy that had worked in the hardware industry before. I don't recall what company he worked for, but he's like, I'm a guy who has built game consoles in the past, and they hired me. And they said, this is what we wanted the system to do. I'm like, okay. So I sat down and I figured out a way that th- it could work. On no, this guy that they hired, you're talking, they wanted him to work on the Coleco. Community. They wanted him to build basically like what I used to do with Gaming FM. I'd be like, make it look like this. Okay. And then Daniel would. Th- they wanted him to realize their vision. The, the retro VGS people were like, make it do all these things. He's like, okay, he goes away. He does a schematic. He comes back. This is how we're going to do it. And they're like, well, no. That's too much, you know, too much money and too much this and too much. That's going to take too long. So this guy didn't last there that long because he's like, I came in, I gave him perfection. And they're like, no, it's like, it's this way or no way. And they're like, well, then, you know, no way with you. Yeah. You well, hit the it, road. It, so it, then cor- he came out and wrote this, you know, he, I don't know if it was an interview or if he wrote it himself, but he came out and said, they're trying to do this thing, but I'm here to tell you it's never going to happen. I'm surprised they didn't sign him to an NDA. So that he couldn't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah, well, I mean, that just goes to show the lack of competence in their managing. Right. He designed the system for him, and essentially, it sounded like. But don't you know? Don't say anything. We know we forgot that paperwork. Just what a hack operation. So, mm. it's not the first time I've heard of a corporation doing something shady like that. Yeah. The Power Glove for Nintendo. The development cycle for that, I believe, it's the Power Glove was very similar where. I believe it was all, it was it wasn't Nintendo didn't develop the Power Glove it was right. a third party that yeah, did yeah. it. But the idea that they had for the Power Glove and what actually ended up coming out were two very different things because once they commissioned the guys to do the work on it, they found out it was going to be way too expensive to produce because they're going to have to produce at a certain cost. Yeah. So what they were going to have to sell it at to make a profit Nobody was going to pay for it at that price. It's kind of like what Facebook is running into with the Oculus now. Yeah. Where like if they wanted to do the things it's going to do, it's they're saying six hundred bucks. Nobody's going to fucking buy the Oculus for for six hundred bucks. I think Sony selling their VR for three hundred, that's pushing it too. But if you, but I mean, I'm more likely to buy a Sony VR product at three hundred than I am to buy the Oculus Rift at six hundred. And that's even with uh, Kutaragi. I believe Kutaragi's running. I, it might be Kutaragi. It might be Shuhei Yoshida, not Kutaragi. Kutaragi developed the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shuhei Yoshida came out and said, oh, Sony's VR is probably not going to be as powerful as the Oculus Rift. Mm. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be. At 300 bucks, nobody's going to expect it to be as robust as the Oculus Rift at 600 yeah. But to get back to the original point. Well, that was the other thing about the, um, the retro VGS. Uh, $350 price point. Which I think for a cartridge-based system, that's that does ugly. all that. Well, no, I, mean, I think it's too steep for a, for a solid-state device. Uh, okay, well, solid-state. I mean, it can do a lot, too. but we're still talking about a board and a shell that you yeah. that you got yeah. for cheap. You're talking about a cartridge-based console that runs retro electronic products. Two hundred max, not three fifty. Yeah, because now I believe, like you know, now I think the um, the PS. Four and the Xbox One are three hundred bucks now. Yeah, when I come, when I go in my brain, just like being a gamer as long as I have been, you just know in your mind yeah. how much I'd be willing to pay or how much is that worth. I understand electronics. Two hundred yeah. bucks. Uh, so three fifty, and and uh, we don't have a 
working prototype, yeah. and we brought a SNES Junior in our shell to the New York Toy Fair. Yeah. So at the New York Toy Fair, they announced uh, with Coleco. Now we're partnered with Coleco. Here's the working prototype, and our price point is now going to be 150 and we're going to Kickstarter with it now. This is all starting to sound better, but your working prototype is a SNES Junior in a Jaguar shell. Back to your old tricks again. Damage control comes after this, right before Kickstarter. They posted a whole bunch of new photos of the chameleon. Here's the chameleon, the working prototype, not the one at the Toy Fair. It's a new and improved version with a clear shell this time. we got a translucent shell. You can see the inside of it. Something tells me that this story is about to get dumber. <laughs> okay. Which it's oh. hard to tell it now when you're building it up. It's just, you're making me laugh because... It does. Yeah. I, so the fact that it's getting dumber still so, is already amazing. So the photo they posted, somebody online figured out that you can see the board inside of it, right? <laughs> somebody online figured out that it's a fucking old, uh, uh, an old video card. Oh, like a very large old video card now, with a lot of chips on it. it. Now it's not even an old system. It's just you can't even plug a cartridge into it. It was just, and they showed it like here's like somebody had a picture of this old. It's a really because it's because it's old. It's really big, so maybe it could pass as like a. Yeah, this looks like it's got a lot of shit on it. Put put throw that in there. Look at this old board. They found it in like a fucking somebody's closet somewhere. You got somebody got old computer parts. Got get a clear shell and put throw a picture of something. Put something in there. Well, I got a shitty old video card <laughs> on my shelf. Bring it, bring it in and put it in there to get some fucking pics on Facebook. We gotta clean up this mess. <laughs> We have to scam our customer base so we can convince them that we're not Look, scamming we, we them. We are three fucking days to Kickstarter. Somebody find a goddamn old video card. At least Eugene Jarvis made Defender work in time for the 1982 CES or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, you know, they had like, <laughs> you know, they they did it overnight, but at least they fucking did it. I, so, I, don't, I don't know anything about these guys. I'm not going to say that they're assholes, but they are definitely acting like a bunch of assholes. Yeah. And trying to... Well, the to... thing that drives me the most insane is that this was a really cool idea. I just wish better people had come up with it. If they would have had a working prototype and they would have said, this is going to be expensive, if we wanted to do all these things that we promised you we were going to do, we're going to have to charge 350 bucks for it. Yeah. That would have been, oh, my God, that expensive. And, you know, the Internet would have fucking lost their collective shit over it. But you know what? Honesty actually goes a very long way towards yeah. ensuring loyalty. If you create something that you can get your customer base to believe in, they're going to buy it. Fuck, I kickstarted Bloodstained and Battle Chasers at 200 bucks a piece yeah. based solely on nothing but my affection for it and my belief that they were being honest with me yeah. while unemployed. Gamers are... I'm not going to say they're forgivable, they're forgiving a lot, but they're a very hardy lot. I was buying Neo Geo cartridges at 300, 350 bucks a pop when they were getting released yeah. because I loved it. Yeah. Retro fans, by and large, you're a retro fan, but you may, you might not be this kind of retro fan. Retro fans, by and large, will spend the money to get the product that they want. Yeah, turn, you know? just turn your head and take a look at that shelf of games yeah. over there. <laughs> I've, I, I, I've spent some money, man. People would have bought it, mm -hmm. and it, it might be a little steep, but novelty and nostalgia that's what you're paying for yeah you it, you don't really can't really set a price in that and here's the thing on the internet 
You can't fucking put one over on people. No. And no they ma- should know that being in in game development, yeah. man. No matter no matter how hardware smart- development, come on. Man. So is this the end of the story though? Uh, yes, it is the end of the story because um, about a day or two after that photo comparison came out on the internet, I'm guessing Coleco Retro pulls Vig- out. Uh, Red Coleco came out and said, "We are no longer with them. It's an amicable split. We wish them luck in the future." A uh, day or two after that, RetroVGS.com is a blank page, and their Facebook is gone. So they have completely thrown in the towel and said, "We're found out. Nobody's ever going to try." They did. They pulled a Nixon, yeah. and they said, "We're yeah." What a shame. And now these dudes have ruined it for the next people that want to do that. The next people that do it, they're going to have to spend money if they want to get it done. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be heavily scrutinized. People are going to be like, oh, how are you connected to the old guys? Yeah. Is there any connection? Or are you? Yeah. Are who's you on con- the team? Yeah. Who's, we need to know everything. Yeah. You're going to need complete transparency. And well, we a good. Uh, we're going to a fucking transparent game case. <laughs> with that fucking video card. <laughs> with a video card. How do you do that? So I, you know, I went from really looking forward to it just being like, oh, you guys, come on. I'm so disappointed and sad. It's not going to happen now. Yeah. And who it's, knows if it ever will. Well, that probably, Not by this team, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Well, the thing, though, is this is kind of good for a Red Repro, which you don't um, own or have any yeah, stake in. Yeah, I don't in. know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Just the same way that I don't know what Street Fighter is. I've never That's right. It. Yeah. You never um, But now it's good for you because, you know, um, you, you know, it's... You know, well, actually, I don't know how it makes a difference. No. I, well, just, I was trying to put a people, positive on it. Well, people will want to keep buying repros because there won't be any new hardware right. to play anything on. Well, and know. actually, I'm going to say this much. I mean, we were talking about this off, off the air, but I like the idea of getting a ROM hack inside an original cartridge case, like, you know, the Castlevania 2 ROM hack, and yeah, yeah. putting it into a Nintendo and holding a Nintendo controller and playing that game on a CRT TV, yeah, you know, a game that never came out yeah. for real. No, it's really fucking better cool. than the original. Never came out. Well, I mean, the, I know I sound like I know I sound like I'm plugging it, but I am legitimately behind it. I really well, like, that's why I enjoy it myself so right. much. That's you know? why you. That's why you took the time to learn how to do it because you are an enthusiast for it and you're passionate about it. Yeah. And that's I'm not just a guy making a cash buck. in. Yeah, I'm not making. You know, a buck. you wouldn't have even fucking wasted your time on it if it was solely for money. Yeah. I know you. But you did it because you had passion for it, and you're like, "Oh, this is kind of cool. I can I can provide this to other people, and why not make a little money off of it yeah. for your work? There's no reason not to." You're I'm not laughing st- because, like, Lord knows, we never made any money off gaming FM. You know, we right. just did that because it was fun. Exactly right. The thing that I'm trying to get at here is that the novelty of having the original console and putting the cartridge in the original console and playing mm. it with the original controller. If you're going for the nostalgia effect. To me, that's really the only way to truly accomplish it. Now, that doesn't mean you can't experience some degree of nostalgia firing up a ROM on your PC or something like that. I mean, I, I've got I've got some old Neo Geo ROMs from back in the day, you know, that I don't fire them up anymore because I just don't really care that much anymore. But you know, I fire them up. It's like, oh, this is cool. I get to play Last Blade. You know, yeah. I never played Last Blade. I get to play it now. And I play it for like a half an hour, but then like the thrill would be gone. It had nothing to do with the game, which is a great, great, great game. It is. I like that a lot. It wasn't until I actually played it on a cartridge, a Neo Geo cartridge, plugging it in, smelling that cartridge smell, (laughs) looking at that giant black plastic console, holding that controller in my hand. That's when, to me, the magic came alive. Like, I played Last Blade on emulator for like a half an hour, an hour, but then I would plug the cartridge into my Neo Geo and I could play for hours. 
And it's the same experience, but it's not the same experience, you yeah. know? Realizing your memory card is full. Right. Going on eBay to buy another memory yep. card so you can save. Yep, that's right. Those big steel Neo Geo cartridge memory cards, those big metal ones. Did it's they just, get full quick? I never filled one up. Oh, really? Okay. You know, so my I, joke I don't, didn't work. Yeah. My joke failed. The reason why it failed for me is because I've experienced memory cards filling up, okay. and I have bad memories of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, like wor- on PlayStation and stuff where you can no. save like eight games. Right. It's like, what the hell? But the worst is when I go to plug in an old memory cartridge. Oh, and it's failed and completely. It's, it's yeah, empty. Yeah, yeah. That hurts. Yeah. I think subconsciously I didn't laugh at your joke because of that. Mm. I can see that. I have issues. I don't blame you. Let's tell them the funny story. It wasn't funny then. Oh, the Final Fantasy story? Yeah. I'd rather not. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and fucking tell it. Yeah. You remember we talked about uh, those pirate devices that, that, we, we, don't that, that we never heard of and, no. and never owned one? Somebody brought one over to your house one time, yeah. and you were like, no, don't plug that into my SNES. Uh, I don't want late. that. You plugged it in. But they plugged yeah. it in. Yeah, yeah. And I happened to come right in right after the person had plugged it in and then left. Mm-hmm. And you just hadn't gotten around to it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, <sighs> I, I have Final Fantasy VI. Don't fucking laugh. <laughs> so oh, I, I have to give context here. We explained it before. Maybe you didn't pick it up, or maybe you don't know what we're talking about. But there's a device called the ProFighter, okay? You plug it into a SNES, and it has a cartridge slot on top of the ProFighter. You plug the game cartridge into the top of the ProFighter. The ProFighter is then plugged into the SNES cartridge slot, so it's like a pass-through. It absorbs all the data off the cartridge and writes it to a floppy disk. If the thing is already sitting on top of the system and you're too lazy to pull it off and plug in your cart, you could just plug the cart into the into the ProFighter and just play it. Well, you know, honestly, I never through. saw a reason to remove the ProFighter right. once it was in. It's just... You know. It doesn't matter because you can still play your cards, right. which is fine. Yeah. So I tell them I've got Final Fantasy VI. I got Final Fantasy VI, and I'm at the which ending. is Final Fantasy three. Final Fantasy th- it came in out the US. Final Fantasy three in the U.S. At the time, it was Final Fantasy three. Later on, they released it for other consoles as Final Fantasy VI. But I still believe that the um, the SNES version of Final Fantasy three is the best iteration of it. Agreed. They released it for PlayStation, and when you get to the end, the music stops syncing up with the ending cutscenes, mm. and that's a problem because the music is themed to the characters yeah, right 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 so if you're watching say umaro's ending cutscene but you're hearing shadow's music something's wrong that's an you emulation know? that no um it's on uh, no on a uh, playstation on playstation okay yeah now Weird. i believe that the uh the game boy why version, is that i don't know it was just strange another case for playing on original hardware yep Exactly. Uh, and I believe the Game Boy version is perfectly fine. There's no moving parts. There's no disc. And I believe that the mobile version of Final Fantasy VI does the same thing. But a lot of people complain about that because they redrew all the sprites for the characters and people don't like the way they look. Oh. But um, anyway. I could see that. So I could see that. I'm like, well, that takes away the nostalgia <clears throat> when you do mm-hmm. that. But, uh, yeah, we don't, I mean, we don't have those things anymore. I mean, now that kind of thing has been replaced by flashcards. Now they've shrunk that technology down yeah. to the size of a cartridge, and you put uh, an SD card in. Legit, I don't own a flash card. Yeah, I me don't, neither. That's legit. I'm not. You yeah, know, I really we, don't. Yeah. We fuck around. We talk about pro fighters, but I legit don't have a flash card. Yeah, I, I, I honestly wouldn't mind getting one from one of my handheld Nintendo yeah, systems. It'd be point. nice, just to fuck around with it. I'll take a picture sometime of all my DS games and 3DS games. I have a really fucking vast library, so yeah. you know, I feel no shame about saying I wouldn't mind getting a flash card. It's kind of like the principle of watching a TV show. I'm going to buy the official release when it comes out. Yeah. Like you know? if you got a bunch of them on your DVR or something, it's like, yeah. is that piracy? I don't, yeah, I don't know if, if I have a bunch on my DVR, is it piracy? It doesn't matter. If I like the show, I'm going to buy the box set when it comes out. Like Game of Thrones Season 5 comes out, as we're speaking right now, next week on yeah. March 
It comes out on the 15th. Okay. I'm going to buy it, yeah, you yeah. know, and I've had a number of those episodes laying around on my DVR for a while now. So I think we've justified it enough. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Final Fantasy VI. I, I'm like, you got to see the ending for this. It's really yeah, yeah. cool. Well, ending. you wanted me to see the last boss battle. Yeah. And just watch the end. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to finish it. Why not? Yeah, I'll, so, I'll, I'll watch it. So there's a weird, quirky thing with the Pro Fighter that you don't know about unless you, it's not in the manual or anything, unless you experience it for yourself or you know anything about electronics. In the SNES, you can't plug a cartridge in backwards. Right, and the official in the official SNES, you you're, it's not even physically possible. Or right? or a Famicom, it's the same thing. You can't yeah. turn a cartridge around. The cartridge slot on top of the Pro Fighter has no such distinction. Yeah, there's no uh, restrictive molding to the port around the cartridge, so you can plug the cartridge in backwards, forwards, however. Now you might be thinking, how could you be so dumb to plug a cartridge in backwards? Well, the cartridge slot on the Pro Fighter is vertical. It's not horizontal. It's not like if you're looking at the front of the system, you're plugging the cartridge in sideways. Sideways. At, at least okay? on your duo. So, you and, and that was your duo. Yeah. Because not mine. No, well some no, dude. Some guy that some just guy walked that in. Yeah. In fact, some dude you never met before, he's just like buy this and you're like, no, I won't support this. Do you ever hear that old uh, it's that old Bill Cosby to wrestle my brother who I slept with? No. Okay, well it's an old Bill Cosby album. It's him and his brother and they won't go to sleep. And the dad keeps coming in and yelling at him, like, what's all the noise going on in here? And his excuse keeps, he keeps saying, some man came in here, dad, and did all these things. Like, he keeps saying, some man came in. That's what we sound like. Some man came in yeah. and, and threw uh, yeah. this Pro Fighter in. But, uh, so, yeah, on, on the regular Pro Fighter for the SNES, you can see the front of the cartridge when you plug it in. So you know which direction to plug yeah. it in. But on the, but duo, in the one, you don't know. Right. So you can plug it in with the front facing left or the front facing right. You don't know what front is. I do because I own it, but you didn't know. Right. And uh, you plugged it in, and if you turn on the power, it's something about the pinouts. Like, I don't know what it is, the pinouts, mm-hmm. that 5 volts comes up and hits a spot that it's not supposed to hit. It hits the SRAM or something right. and fries it out. Not permanently, but certainly to delete the game. So you had spent probably 60-plus hours, done everything yeah. in the game, and you plugged it in, and you turned it on. I was out of the room. I just wanted to get it set up for you. Yeah, I took a leak. I did something. I was out of the room. And I came back in. And you're like, dude, this isn't working. And I immediately knew what happened. And I immediately knew what I was going to have to tell you right now. And I just wanted to go in the corner and cry. I didn't want to experience your reaction. Because if you think I get pissed off about (laughs) shit now, you have no idea how angry... And violent I was. I mean, not violent enough to hit people, but man, could you didn't have to do much to set me off back then. Yeah, I was, uh, dude, um, you plugged it in backwards. And you're like, oh, okay, I just need to turn it around. I'm like, well, I'm like, the issue is when you do that, and I had experienced this before on a game that I didn't spend 60 hours on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that fries the memory? I'm like, let me try that on another card. And I fried the memory on it. I'm like, okay. But you can still save to it. It doesn't permanently fry it. It just it wipes the SRAM for some reason. That's just the nature of the beast. So mm-hmm. I had to tell you, dude, your game's erased. And it was just watching you frantically, no, no, turn the thing around. Turn the thing on. Get to the save screen. And they're all empty. <laughs> Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> it's like, did I really get that angry? Oh, you. I, well, I mean, and I was like... This is this is understandable. I wasn't like, oh shit, he's really freaking out. I'm like, he just lost sixty hours again. You know, I wasn't sitting there going, calm down, dude. I was like, he's just <laughs> dude. Love, go level up, get yeah. some silver. You stole my cloud song. <laughs> <laughs> it 
just it was just like that your reaction but uh fuck no. you it was you uh, break yeah. your fucking legs it wasn't that bad but yeah i mean if denny if denny had been there at that time it would have been a lot of <laughs> would have been a lot of that going on in my basement it would have just been really yeah it was uh, i felt so bad i was just like, but there's nothing like it wasn't my fault it wasn't your fault like you didn't know i wasn't in the room to tell you it just it happened you know Nobody, like, he wasn't mad at me. And he, you know, I, and what a sad story. I still feel I stupid about it. There's a postscript to this. Well, you came back, like, like a week or two later. Was it, ah, it wasn't that long. I want to say it was like four days, dude. Oh, it was quick. I, I, I was so pissed off about it. I remember being angry inside. Yeah. I don't remember swearing. But inside, it was a mixture of just, like, self-pity yeah. and frustration and despondence it was this swirl of emotion well i remember you came back and you were like it's better now because like i'm now that i'm more familiar with the game i had just finished it i was able to unlock more stuff yeah i even got more done i made my character stronger than they ever than they were in the previous build yeah and then you're like let's watch the ending and i'm like i'm gonna take the pro fighter out (laughs) like we took it completely out (laughs) and put the card in and like okay everything's we're good if it would have happened again, just plugging it in regular, I think I would have elbow dropped your SNES. <laughs> I think I would have just like watched it just, explode into pieces. Like it just now it happened without the oh, yeah, maybe my SNES. Was I broke. mean, I would have been like doing Hulk Hogan leg drops of doom <laughs> on it, and Macho Man Randy Savage elbow drops from the corner of your bed. I'll buy you another one. It was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me, it would have been worth it had it happened again. I still have that SNES too. Do you really? That, yeah, that very SNES. Well, it's not the SNES I have an issue with. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't have that anymore. Yeah. I got Well, it. no, because you got rid of that because, yeah. you know, you're you're a good person. Yeah, I'm legit now. Yeah. It's all legit. Too legit to quit. Mm-hmm. You did get to see the ending. Yeah. I remember That's I, good. I played the game like a fiend for the next four days. I mean, yeah. I was just like putting 10 to 12 Yeah, hours I wanted to say a, a week or two later, but yeah, I bet. You it was, it was sooner quick. than that. Yeah. I remember because it, it was more like the frustration and bitterness of losing the file and being like, man, something's not right with the universe. Yeah, yeah. My world will not be unfucked until I solve <laughs> right. this problem and get myself back. It's like uh, taking that one hit in Street Fighter. Yeah. And then that's what happened. You got to get that hit back the, for four the, days. The pro fighter hit me. <laughs> And I needed to get my hit back, and yeah. I did. And it's like, fuck you, pirates all over the world. Exactly. So, what did that have to do with the uh, Caligo Chameleon? Nothing. Why did we? It doesn't bring it matter. Up? It doesn't matter. We're talking about the retro. Experience. That's what we're talking about now. No, that's, now that's, we're talking about erasing Final Fantasy. It doesn't matter how we got here. I just greatest podcast fine, in the world. Right? Greatest podcast. That, that I agree with you. Yeah. On. I'm just asking. The how question. did we get here? Who cares? Who cares? This is what we're talking about now. This is the topic. Okay. That's it. All right, man. Don't hurt me. <laughs> Just saying. I got a little fired up from that uh, yeah. retro VGS. Still a little on edge. Making me mad. At least you didn't lose any game saves over it. <laughs> That's true. No, it doesn't really affect me in any way, except that I, I can't do that. What do you have? You're looking at your paper? Uh, Yeah, since you know we're all about not transitioning logically at all. It doesn't so. matter. Yeah. Okay, because it doesn't fucking matter. Nope. Denny's not working. I didn't hear a bleep. Denny, wake the fuck up! There you go. We good? Um, where'd you find this guy? You're overcompensating, Denny. Relax, man. It's all good. Chill out, Denny. We're not going to kill you, probably. Something that I have for people yes. that you want to check out. Sure. Um, there's a fan film that recently came out, and I posted this on Facebook. 
It's a Star Wars fan film called Darth Maul Apprentice. All I've seen is um, like a Facebook post that said, check this out. You yeah. need to watch it, dude. Yeah. It's 17 minutes of just pure fucking, 17 minutes? Oh, wow. Fucking awesomeness. Yeah. Um, the gist of it is that a bunch of Jedi go to the planet where Darth Maul is training. So it takes place like before episode one? Sort of before episode one. Okay. Well, and, I guess it would have to since he'd be in two pieces if it were. Well, actually, since Clone Wars is canon and he shows up in Clone Wars with a robotic lower half, the character is. Could technically be back. Yeah, well, no. And voiced by uh, one of the greatest actors, Sam Witwer. Is it Witwer? Yeah. yeah. Darth Poopy Pants. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I haven't seen the season yet, but I've been watching Clone Wars, and I have to tell you that despite the turgid source material that it comes from, it's actually getting very, very good. It's becoming very engaging to watch. That's cool. I'm really liking it. So you're not to season four yet. I think that's when he pops in. No, season four. Right now, I'm still in the second half of season two. Okay. But I'm really digging it. They're Mm -hmm. doing really cool stuff in the second season. They're showing you Mandalore, like the commandos. They're showing you like... Where Boba Fett came from. What's interesting, I thought Mandalore was going to be more. Boba Fett. Where? I thought the Mandalorians were going to be more warlike, but it turns out that they're predominantly a peace-loving people. Who make great armor. Well, they're, okay. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Great armor that apparently makes them like the best character in the history of Star Wars. Then they could survive the Sarlacc pit Mm -hmm. and crawl out. Long enough to crawl out. With David Warner. That's right. You had to really be paying attention if Mm -hmm. you picked up that reference. Yep. You have to listen to all our episodes or you don't get the jokes. And if you didn't listen to all our episodes, uh, it's basically something wrong with you. Yeah. So hell with you. But the Clone Wars. Well, Clone Wars. No, but Clone Wars leading okay, right. to well, Darth Maul. Exactly. So the thing about the Mandalorians really quick is that there's a side group called the Death Watch. Yeah. And they're the militant faction that wants to get involved in the war. Okay. And Obi-Wan actually has a past with the leader of the Mandalorians, Duchess Satine. Okay. It's a very interesting relationship dynamic because you get the sense that there are individual responsibilities that they have to their factions. Duchess Satine wants to keep the Mandalorians neutral, and there's all thousands of systems that don't want to get involved in the war. Okay. And Obi-Wan goes to her, and he's like, you know, you know you're going to get involved in this. You can't avoid this. The Separatists want everything. Yeah. And she's like, we're pacifists. We don't want to fight. But the thing is, they have a past. They did stuff when they were younger together before all of this. And so it's interesting to see the two characters. You know they want to be together, but they can't. But this is the stuff that I was hoping the show would bring up and raise to some relevance because anything that's related to the movies, it's not going to carry any gravitas. There's not going to be any weight to it. But I'm more interested about stuff like the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka. Like who did Obi-Wan know? What is Asajj Ventress's relationship with Dooku? Mm-hmm. You know, like more stuff about like Sidious's relationship with both Count Dooku and General Grievous, like stuff. Like I that. thought he was just training her. There's more than that. Well, I mean, he's training her, but like, where did she come from? Okay. How did he find her? Okay. What okay. is the training like? What is the nature of their relationship? Is it typical, like you know, Sith Master teaching Sith Apprentice, and Sith Apprentice is going to eventually try to kill the Master and take over, or is there something different there? Does she have affection for him? Does she seem like a father figure? Like, I don't know yet. Yeah. The point is, these are the things that I was really excited about for the Clone Wars to to showcase those personal relationships and those personal dramas playing out against the backdrop of a conflict that I already know what's going to happen. Happen. Yeah. How are the clones going to factor in? Like the clones have personalities; they're different people. Mm-hmm. People assume that because they're clones, they all act and think the same, but that's not the case. They have different tastes because they're different people. They yeah. just happen to share similar genetic code. It's fascinating seeing these clones all interact with each other, and they become characters, and you start to care about them more so than they ever did in 
any of the three movies. Yeah, I, although the movies already had so much to try to cover, I think adding that wrinkle to it would have just been characterization. Well, characterization for the clones. Oh, okay. I think uh, he, here's the thing. I think that I think you're being an apologist for the prequels. Hey, go fuck yourself. And it needs to stop. <laughs> I will end this podcast. I'll take Denny and do my own thing. Of course, I'll have to drag him behind yeah, me. I was going to say, fine, take him. I'm not, even, I'm not even putting him in the trunk. I'll just have to run behind me really fast. If I lose you, that's it. No one else is going to want you. It's, yeah, it's going to be you, him trailing behind, and then M. Bison behind both of you in his truck. But uh, I think characterization in the Clone Wars movies might have been a bit of a stretch, considering they already had so much to deal with. Characterization for the clones. The movies are failures, don't get me wrong, but I kind of like the idea that this clone army is generated specifically just to go fight and die in wars. Like, that's already yeah. sinister enough. Right, right. You know, it's already unfortunate enough. But the Clone Wars give you a context for becoming attached to some of the characters. Right, exactly. So, like, these guys are all, I hope you don't like them too much. Right. They're going to be around very long. That's the sad irony of it all. And that's, these are the things that are making me really like the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. And they're expanding on the universe in really interesting ways. It's a very good show. I'm, I'm, the first season, like the first five or six episodes, is like, okay. It just seems to me like they're just doing it. And then if you count the movie, it's just fucking horrible. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I didn't the like that movie so that much. I've heard that. I've heard people say that. Like, oh, fuck the movie. Get into the episodes. They're way better. I'm like, okay. So I did the same thing. I like, movie sucked. But I'll watch the episodes anyway because I've heard that, like you said, got five or six into it and I was like, I'm not feeling it. You know? That's the unfortunate thing because like those five or six first episodes are not that good. And when Jar Jar shows up in one of them, I'm just like, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, this true. is a fucking war. But the cool thing is they, they show people getting killed in it. Bombs killing people, terrorist attacks, yeah. clone troopers dying all the time. I'm like, it's bloodless. You know, you don't see blood spilling, but – People are still dying, right. and the, there'll be scenes of clone troopers checking the bodies of other clone troopers, and they'll actually say, he's dead, sir. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty cool. It's yeah, a yeah. war. People should die in a war. Yeah. But pro- they're pro- I mean, the censors are probably like, well, keep their helmets on. Right. Like, as long as their helmets on, play them off as like exactly. the robots or something, exactly. you know, whatever. So, and then there's issues of, like, clones betraying the Republic Army right. because, like, they don't want to fight. One guy actually abandons... The, Repu- the Grand Army of the Republic, and when they ask him why, he's like, you know what? I was generated to fight in a war. I was cloned to fight in a war, but nobody asked me if I wanted to. Yeah. But you, those kinds of things are really fascinating to me, like those examinations of personality. It's like, you know, hey, if this guy doesn't want to fight, why should he be forced to fight? You're going to call him a traitor? He didn't pledge to join the Army of the Republic. He was created to join <laughs> right. the Army of the Republic. He never gave him a choice. Right. He never got to be a conscientious objector. The show does that stuff. It right, deals right, right. with the stuff. But anyway, so Darth Maul coming back isn't a big deal to me like it is to some people. Like some people are like, oh, you're cut in half. How can he fucking come back? It's the Star Wars. Star Wars. I don't really care about that. You but... know, cybernetics. Yeah. Anything can happen. He can use the dark side of the force and his hate to keep him alive. Who fucking cares? Mm-hmm. Are the stories that use him good stories? That's what matters. Yeah, yeah. But this takes place before all that. So basically a bunch of Jedi. He show- probably misses his wang. If Luke can have a cybernetic hand attached to him, mm. that you know, the, the, and the, the two one B medical droid can prick his fingers and he feels it, there's no reason why you couldn't get like a fake cock. That just opens the door for all kinds of possibilities that we should never talk about. <laughs> I wonder if Darth I hadn't Ma- thought of it that I way, if Darth and Ma- I don't want to. I wonder if Darth. Well, we're going to talk about this. I wonder if Darth Maul woke up and he's like, "Everything is fine, but where is my dick?" And if he forced the 2-1-B medical droid to make him a prosthetic dick. And then he had to poke it. 
Well, he probably tested in other ways. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's just descended into the, like, 12-year-old podcast. So, would, would it be funny if... Uh, Denny, both hands on the console. <laughs> would it be funny if, if Darth Maul had a, had a cyber wang? <laughs> It'd be awesome. <laughs> it's Sam Witwer's voice. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a skit out there. And if there isn't, there will be right after this, right after this. Right after this comes we out. We may or may not record it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Darth Maul Apprentice. Jedi show up on his planet. Okay. And he basically relishes the opportunity to kill them all. Is he still in training at this he's point? He's still in training at this point. Oh, so he's going to, like, test. Well. Let's see how good I am. I don't want to talk about anything. Okay. All right, all right, all right. But he's eager to kill Jedi, and this is an opportunity for him to show his stuff. Okay. The only thing that I find disappointing about it, and it's not the film producer's fault, there's no actual Star Wars music in it. And I understand why. Yeah, that makes sense. Because there's a copyright issue where yeah. they couldn't do it. But Yeah, if, especially if it's on YouTube. It'll get flagged in like yeah. two seconds by their robot. But if Disney is really cool, they will let them put Star Wars music in it. As long as it's a, it's a non, not-for-profit thing, let them do it. Yeah. it. The fight scenes in it are better than anything I've seen in any of the movies. Oh, wow. Um, they're really, really well-done fight scenes. Yeah. My favorite lightsaber duel is still Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. I think it's a good mix of tension and choreography. Right. It's not over the top. Right. The fight looks good. I thought uh, Force Awakens kind of fell in that category, too. I felt like, did, did you not agree with that? My only problem with the Force Awakens fight scene is that it gets into the bit of the shaky cam. And there's a lot of trees in the okay. way and I stuff like that. that. Yeah. Whereas in Empire, everything's in the frame. I can but see I, what's going r- okay. on. Okay. I can see that criticism. But at the same time, I'm still going to put it in that category of Empire. We're like, not over the top. So I was like, I was oh, like, oh I here see. we yeah, go. Yeah. Here we go. Here's going to be Here's the, the, flippy the, shit. the choreographed yeah. flipping. And it was just like two people sword fighting. Now, I don't mind flippy shit. But flippy shit to distract you from the fact that the fight has no real significance is the problem that yeah, I have. Yeah, don't with Yoda it. jumping off walls. Yoda fighting with a lightsaber is fucking stupid anyway, yeah. and I don't care what anybody tells me. I enjoy watching it in the Clone Wars because I kind of have to. Yeah. But he doesn't really do that much. He's only he's only been in like one episode where he's actually fought. He's with just the better when he's like sitting there and being well, wise and it's kinda like what Plinkett said in his review where he's like, you know, Yoda spends Empire Strikes Back talking about how we're not beings of a physical nature. You yeah. know, we're beyond Not the, this crude matter. Yeah, not yeah. Luminous beings are we not this crude matter. We're beyond physicality. I can move an I, I just swing with my mind yeah. because that's what the Force is about. It's not about drawing a lightsaber. Plinkett breaks down the, the fight in terms of a lot of like the physicality of it. Like, you know, okay, it's ridiculous for him with his little lightsaber to fight a guy with a much bigger lightsaber. Those are all realistic complaints. But again, it's Star Wars. That, that stuff doesn't matter to me. I just want to see somebody make a movie, like a YouTube clip thing, where like they play the clip, adventure, eh, excitement, eh. A Jedi craves not these things. And then smash cut to, ah! <laughs> him like flipping all over. Although you could argue that he's the reluctant warrior. Like he doesn't want to fight. Yeah. But I just think Yoda should just be beyond it all. Yoda should just like, I don't mind Yoda taking a part in the battles, using the force to like foresee shit and guide others in battle and be like, oh, this yeah, is. They're on the front lines, but I'll kind of look at this, the whole. Yeah. And this is terrible. I'm yeah. telling people where to go to kill other people. Right. This is awful. This I'm telling people where to go and they're risking their lives. These clones that have been created for war and these Wookiees, I'm directing them and I'm sending them places and they're getting killed. Like I'm using the force to do that. Hmm. I, I think that's enough. 
you know, like for him to be the reluctant warrior. Yoda picking up a lightsaber and fighting with it is just dumb to me. It's just it's a it, to me it's a betrayal of what makes him cool, and what makes him cool is everything you see in Empire. Yeah, I wouldn't even have a problem with Yoda using lightsabers with the Force, mm-hmm. but not picking one up and and jumping around like the fucking Tasmanian devil. That's just dumb. You know, like I, I like the idea of him standing there with this cane and he just uses two or even three or even four lightsabers to do his fighting. He's using them all at the same time, showing his mastery of the force and not killing anyone. Right. Like disarming people, taking them prisoner, chopping down support beams to drop on top of people you know, and stop them from fighting. Like, it's, as you're talking about this now, I'm envisioning like what haven't they done yet? And I think that's going to happen now. I think that you're it's going to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy like you just saying that they're going to be in their minds like what hasn't been seen in Star Wars yet a guy so good with the force that he doesn't even hold his lightsaber yeah. he just floats him around and then in episode 9 that's like Luke's finally going to fight in episode 9 and that's how he's going to fight Can you because ma- you said that yeah. that's what's going to happen well now. it wouldn't be the first time i said something about star wars and then somebody else involved with the production of the we'll film get to that. that we'll get to that next um, we talked about that before the podcast. We'll get to that. But Darth Vader and Obi-Wan in the first one is just kind of like two guys who, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. and then Empire kind of one up that. And then Jedi, even more so. And then episode one rolled around. You got guy with double-edged lightsaber. And then episode two rolled around. You got guy with flippy arms robot. No, that's episode three. Episode two is Yoda. Yoda. Then episode, then episode three, three is General Grievous. I took a step ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. But. You get the point. Well, so I don't now, blame you because what, episode two is a very difficult movie yeah, it's to even want to think about. Right, it's so yeah. bad. If you think about it, like, it's a game of one-up, you know, yeah. as they've gone. So now, you know, that's going to be the next Which is one what's up. nice about The Force Awakens is it scales it back. It's just Will two it continue to do so? To, yeah, you know, I honestly think it will. I, I, honest, I think that the stakes of the fight will increase. Yeah. I think that when Kylo Ren comes back in episode eight, he's going to be a better fighter. I think he's going to house. Oh, he's going to be like. He's going to house Ray the next time. Yeah, he's going to be like, you humbled me last time, and that can't, I can't let that pass. Well, something that I think is really cool that they should do with it is they should have Kylo Ren show up and be like, you, you took everything from me. You took my grandfather's lightsaber, you took my father's spaceship. You know, you you have my mother's affection. Luke is teaching you things that he never taught me. You took everything from me, and I'm going to take it all back. Honestly, I'm not saying this because I hate Daisy Ridley because I think she's fantastic in the role, and I like Ray. I would have no complaints if Kylo Ren just fucking killed her. Yeah, just be like, you know what? I'm taking it all. Takes the lightsaber, takes the Millennium Falcon. He just destroys her, kills her, and like Finn actually has to rise up and become the hero now. Yeah, not because I hate Daisy Ridley, because it would be cool to see Kylo Ren make this massive comeback and just be a bad. He will. That's going to happen. Well, you know I don't think gonna, he'll kill her. That's going to be this. No, he's not going to kill her because but she's a girl. I think it has more to do with the fact that she's the protagonist. Right. She's going to barely escape with her life in the next movie. Yeah. If Ray ends up with the lightsaber, I think Kylo's going to have it at the end of the second episode. Yeah, yeah. But if it remains in Luke's hands, then. You know Luke's going to step in at some point. Oh, well, I think Luke's going to come back with her. Yeah. I just hope they don't go the Obi-Wan route with him and kill him. But let him survive through to the end of episode. Actually, there's no even real reason to kill him. Like yeah. in Lord of the Rings, they don't kill they kill Gandalf, but he comes back. Yeah. Like there's no reason to off the character. Like, you know, Luke could be Space Gandalf. Well, he can come, yeah. Luke the White. 
my point is they don't have to kill Luke. Like, yeah. They don't have to kill him to make a point of making the Emperor threat. Like, at this point, I feel like the movies are going to be as much about Kylo Ren's redemption as they are about Rey's ascendance. Yeah. So that's the conflict. Killing Luke doesn't really change the stakes in any of that. In fact, Luke helping to bring Kylo back to the light is the way to redeem Luke's failures. I want to touch on your blog. We have to well, do that. But one last please thing. continue telling the the Darth Maul. Apprentice. The Darth Maul. Okay. The last thing about Yoda using the four lightsabers. I think it would have been much cooler to have him fighting General Grievous in Episode Three, like that, yeah. with four lightsabers versus four versus lightsabers. His, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been cooler. Yeah. You could have made Grievous more fearsome. You could have made him tougher instead of being a fucking joke. And see, in the Clone Wars, he is a threat. Yeah. He a, a lot of times his his guards come in and help him. But that's part of his strategy, and yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, like he's still a pretty fearsome warrior. And he's killed a shit ton of Jedi, but I think that would and have he been has co- all the lightsabers to prove it. Right? right, he's earned those legitimately for the most part. Yeah. But I think that would have been cooler for Yoda to be the one to take him out. But you had to have Obi Wan do yeah. something. But to get back to Darth Maul apprentice, um, great fight scenes. Yeah, I really want to see it now. They don't betray the character at all. He acts like Darth Maul. I mean, you does know, he talk in it? No, he never says a word. That's what I was going to say, because he didn't say much in the... He might say something near the very end. I've only watched it once, but I was very, very impressed with it. The one comment... Whatever he says is not going to be in Ray Park's voice, though. No. Well, Ray Park didn't even talk in Ray Park's voice. That's that's the joke. (laughs) They just didn't let that little guy talk. You just flip around and fight. Yeah. Don't say anything. Mm -hmm. He ended up playing Rugal in the King of Fighters movie. That's right. Did you see that? No. Really? I have it. I never watched it. I have it, too, and I'll never watch it. Oh, boy. Terry Bogard wears a fucking Marty McFly life preserver vest. Because uh, martial arts movies produced in Asia with American actors don't know what to do with Americans, so they always make them uh, law enforcement agents. Mm -hmm. That's what Nash was in uh, the Chun-Li, Legend of Chun-Li Street Fighter That's right. Dude, that movie is unwatchable. That movie is I've heard that. fucking unwatchable. I've heard that. If I, you want to see something with Street Fighter, spend your time watching Assassin's Fist. Assassin's Fist or the new one coming out. Yeah. Um, well, that's a short, but still. Oh, the new one coming out is just a short? It's a short, yeah. It's, I thought they were producing a whole... They are producing... Uh, the second one's called World Warrior. Okay, so it's actually adapting the second game. Yes. This okay. is just going to be... A promotional thing for, for five? For Street Fighter Five. yeah. That's still kind of cool. That's still cool that they're doing something, but with all the same actors. It's like Ryu and Ken in their yeah. Street Fighter Four outfits, and, well, Ryu's wearing the same outfit, but right. Ken is in his Street Fighter Four outfit, right. and Nash is... Man, they nailed the look. Yeah, he looks really him. good. But they nailed the looks in Assassin's Fist, yeah. too. They all no, look like... The only one that they didn't get really right was uh, Gokin. But it's hard to find a guy that size. you know. But the guy they got to play him was really he was, good in the yeah, role. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. So it's Everybody okay. in that movie was really yeah. good. It's a perfect example of something I watched for free on YouTube. And then when the Blu-ray came out, bought it day one. Right. Because I, I believed in the project and I wanted to support it financially somehow. Totally. You had the Van Damme one. Then you had that... Legend Stupid of Chun Li oh, so thing. Bad. Yeah, I heard it was bad. I didn't oh God, it. dude! You know what? My we wife should... watched it just like, like morbid, like I did with Man of Steel, like morbid curiosity. She's like, "I'm gonna watch it. Let's watch it." I'm like, "I'm not fucking watching that thing, man." You just, she watched it. She's like, "Yeah, it was bad." I, I never finished it. Oh, so you didn't see the whole thing? No, because it was. I, I watched bad. like the first half of it, and when she met Gen, I was like, I. Did... It wasn't the fact that she met Gen that I didn't like. Gen might have been her teacher in the canon. Yeah, yeah. We're two guys that made it through to the end of the Van Damme one. See, the Van Damme one, as stupid as it is, I still think it's a fun movie. I'm never disengaged from the Van Damme movie. It's just just dumb. You got paid? It's a legitimate funny line. Yeah. I'd rather watch Street Fighter the later years. 
oh, than, than that movie. But uh, Assassin's Fist, yeah. actual legitimate good. good if you ever, if you have any familiarity whatsoever with Street Fighter, yeah. by all means, oh man, it's so good. Yeah, uh, the, the and, really- wa- and get the Blu-ray because the Blu-ray has the the ending. Yep. There's ten, an extra scene. Yeah, you, 10 extra you, minutes of footage. Like, you, you can, can watch it without. You, you can see the whole thing and get the story, but you get the epilogue. It's really nice. Yeah, um, it's really good. So, anyway, Darth Maul Darth Assassin. Maul. What's it called? Oh, Apprentice. Darth Maul Apprentice. Darth Maul Apprentice. You got to watch it. Okay. It's really, really, really good. I said that they should use the original, the actual Star Wars music. I don't mean to take that away from the talented people that composed the original music for Darth Maul apprentice it's sure. it's a really good soundtrack it's just as i'm watching it i'm like man i want this to be legitimate i want <laughs> yeah. to hear the john williams music yeah. it has nothing to do with the music in it is perfectly fine it's just that just, makes it like feel canon it makes it feel and it's sh- and to me it should be if disney yeah. is smart they'll embrace this yeah. because it's very 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 well done last time we got together uh you mentioned your blog mm-hmm. and i said i hadn't read it yet and i promised i would read it as soon as we turned off the headphones and i did it was interesting timing. I read it, and then like five minutes later, I came across a news story where J.J. Abrams apologized for the exact thing that you talked about in the blog. As if he had read your blog and was like, yeah, you know what? You're right, Tom. Yep. And I'm sorry I fucked that up. Because I am right about it. And yeah. you know what? I'm going to be honest right now. I'm not even being ironic when I say that. I'm right about the thing that J.J fucked up yeah and that's i mean read the blog to find out what we're talking about but the there's one particular thing in the blog where you talk about this one thing i hate this more than anything ever and in star wars that's the thing that he apologized for. in fact i believe i in the last podcast i said or one of the previous podcasts i said i hate it more than greedo shooting first (laughs) yeah it's like the single worst thing in any star wars movie that i've ever seen and that's saying something i watched episode two and he uh, he gave a very technical explanation why it happened, but I he did. still wished. No, no. Well, JJ did too. Well, he said, "Well, the re- the way I framed the scene and the way like he had a very technical explanation of yeah, why it happened, but said still fo- said, yeah, you're right. He it said, is. Yeah, he said he I focused too much on the frame and not necessarily in the events playing out. And yeah. to me, that's a hack mistake. That tells me that JJ Abrams is not nearly as talented as people want to believe he is. Well, at least he toned down the lens flares. Yeah. At least, like, Star I'm sure Wars. Disney had something to do with that. Yeah. I'm sure they told him. He was know, on some talk show, and he's like, my wife made me quit doing it. She watched Star Trek in yeah. the Darkness, and there was a scene, like, where you couldn't even tell what was going on. And my wife turned to me, and she was like, you need to stop doing that, like, right now. Flare, yeah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say that the guy is, like, completely talentless, but this is going to sound kind of weird, but I see him as sort of like a poor man's James Cameron. Yeah. If that makes any sense. His it movie, does. His movie has made more money than either of the two James Cameron movies that until recently were on the top of the list of highest grossing. Cause see, here's what James Cameron does when he makes a movie. How can I take a story that I know people will like and find a way to present it in a fashion that they'll want to pay to see it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. There's nothing inherently original about Titanic. For example, it's a love story that takes place on a boat during a historical tragic event. We know the boat's going to sink. The question is, will they find love before it does? Mm-hmm. What is going on in the movie? There's two things going on in Titanic. How is this romance going to play out and affect all the people invo- all the people connected to it? And how technically accurate 
and visually stunning is the boat sinking going to be? Mm-hmm. And James Cameron – And is David Warner in it? Which, of course, he is. That's right. But I think he's still playing the uh, the Klingon guy that used to be a human. It's the same character. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Do you well, know there's a a mystery science theater movie where he does indeed play two characters? Do you remember this? No. Wait. But the thing is, does he play two characters and are they like related or are they close no. to each other? No. Or is it – it's two completely We paid separate- for David Warner and we're going to use him as much as possible. He's the good guy and he's the bad guy. Wow. Yeah. You know, David Warner – And there is a scene where they're both on screen at the same time even. The evil David Warner says to the good David Warner, don't I know you – and one of the mystery science theater guys is like, aren't you me in another role? <laughs> that guy had no fucking shame. The evidence of that is the, the exact, I can tell you the exact moment that that is evidenced that he has no shame. That exact moment occurs when Vanilla Ice is singing the Ninja Rap song and he is in the stands jamming out yep. to it. David I Warner knew- jamming out. To Vanilla Ice singing knew... the Ninja Rap in Ninja Turtles 2 is the single most shameless scene in cinematic history. And I knew you were going to cite that movie. The second we started talking about David Warner's shamelessness. I'll watch anything with David Warner. I, that's why I always bring him up because he's just he's well, fantastic. About, I love think, him. Think, that's the thing. Like well, No matter how shitty the movie is or how awful the role is, the dude plays it there, straight. Yeah, there's I mean, David Warner. It doesn't matter what it is. He's he, good in it no matter what because he's David motherfucking Warner. Yeah. One of his finest roles is uh, there's a cartoon called Freakazoid. It's Warner Brothers. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. David Warner Brothers. Good segue. That's what he uh, was in that movie. He plays the Warner Brothers. Yes. Uh, in Freakazoid, he plays a villain. He's the voice of this villain called the Lobe. And uh, the Lobe, so you just imagine this villain with David Warner's voice coming out of it. And already this villain has like more gravitas than anybody else because mm-hmm. he's David Warner. David fucking Warner. Um, well, Rachel Ghoul in Batman the Animated yep. Series. So now the Loeb. Imagine this villain from this like silly superhero show. There's this one fantastic scene where he comes up with this plan and Freakazoid's like, what kind of plan? This is such a dumb plan. How, how, where did you, what were you thinking? How could you, you know, that's like, it was actually in reality a really good plan, but Freakazoid's psyching him out, making him think it's not a good plan so he'll give it up. What were you thinking? You know, and he's going on and on and just hearing like the voice coming, David Warner going, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. I've been having some bad days. I'm sorry. Just (laughs) like a meltdown. (laughs) It was so great because like it's 10 times better because it's David Warner. Actually, you could play that soundbite over any of the terrible movie roles. Oh, he's picked so but, good, but Titanic. But he's but he's also been in a lot of good stuff too, like Titanic. But like Titanic, it understands the formula. So we know the formula. Yeah. But James Cameron is the master of perfecting that formula and presenting it in a visual narrative structure that leaves very little room for doubt or question. Yeah. There's never a scene in Titanic or even Avatar, for example, which is another movie which I think gets a lot of unfair hate. That movie's really good. They're it's, both good. Yeah. It, it, There's it, really no major problem with no, it. No, but the I, only thing I remember is like the very first time I saw Titanic on videotape, on VHS. Whoa. Because, you know, back then. And uh, saying, there's a second tape? <laughs> I was engaged from start yeah, to finish. Yeah, it's not I mean, bad yeah. by any means, but just going, oh my God, there's a second videotape. Even with Avatar, you know, I know people like to criticize that because, oh, it's Pocahontas in space. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is Star Wars? Yeah, right. right. You know, it's mythology too. It's a folktale too. Like, yeah. 
Get off of it, guys. Mm -hmm. Don't be angry just because James Cameron is making movies people like. I'm not an apologist, but I am a fan. I'm a fan in as much as like I can see what James Cameron is doing. I'm like, okay, put aside your irrational and pointless and stupid hate of the guy and recognize that the man is a talented director. Sure. If James Cameron was directing episode seven, I guarantee you that scene that I complain about would not have been in that movie. Yeah, right. James Cameron would have been reading the script and he would have been looking at the frame and he would have been cut. And Carrie Fisher would have been like, what's the problem, James? And he said, I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is this. And he'd explain it. We're not filming another goddamn minute of this movie until this script is changed because this does not make sense. And these characters would not act in this fashion during this scene. Cameron's characters remain, for the most part, consistent throughout the film. Mm. Think about what he did with Aliens. Now, it's not Alien. It's not the same type of movie as Alien. But it yeah, does... Alien's a horror and Alien, a- Aliens is a sci-fi. Aliens is a suspense yeah. action sci-fi. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Ripley, once they give her stuff to do in Aliens, and I'm spoilers, Aliens is a 30-fucking-year-old movie. Oh, I can Denny. Spoiler alert for a thirty-year-old movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just you know, just in case nobody's ever seen it. Right. Okay. Sure. If you haven't seen Aliens, you have a problem anyway. But <laughs> I have a bigger problem than this is about to be spoiled for you. But in Aliens, they give Ripley like more of a life. In in the first movie, you don't really know nothing about her except that she's a. She's the warrant officer on the ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even you don't even really know that she's the warrant officer. You kind of have to like read the book to to know that stuff. She's just like a member of the crew. Yeah. Okay. In Aliens, like she comes back. Fifty-seven years have passed. Her daughter grew old and died. Mm-hmm. And the whole movie is really a movie about motherhood, which is interesting, you know, especially in these socially hypersensitive times. You know, sure. women women finally getting their due. Well, thirty years ago, in Aliens, motherfucker. It that was movie happening. was about motherhood yeah, yeah. because it was Newt's relationship or Ripley's relationship with Newt, yeah. them being surrogates for each other and the alien queen being, you know, like the, the mother of her nest. Sure. And at the end of the movie, the two mothers fight each other. Mm-hmm. It's a movie about motherhood and defending. A little what, symbolism going on there. There's yeah. a lot. There's a little. And it's transparent symbolism. Yeah. But Cameron is good at transparent symbolism. He's good at finding ways to take symbolic things, make them simple for the regular audience to understand. Terminator 2 with Arnold stepping on the roses as he's walking down the maintenance tunnel mm-hmm. in the back of the mall. Ah, see, it's the future destroying the beauty of the present. You know, it's the robot killing nature. It's a transparent symbolism, but the thing is... You he, didn't notice it, but your brain did. Exactly right, Mr. Plinkett. He's good at finding ways to make people understand nuance and context by delivering it to them on the level that they can understand. Yeah. It's finding the middle road to presenting philosophical and provocative material to the audience. Mm-hmm. Cameron's just really good at it. He can frame it all around a very simple movie. That's why I think that J.J. Abrams, he's a poor man's Cameron. Yeah. Because he has the technical prowess and he tries to do all the same things, but J.J. Abrams' movies, none of them are really that well made. Even The Force Awakens, as, as my blog shows, it's got some problems. Mm-hmm. And there's shit that happens in it that doesn't make sense. Like, why is this lightsaber here? 
All right. Why are Han and Chewie right there when the Falcon appears there? Like, what's the context for it? Mm-hmm. Have they just been kind of fucking hanging out in space looking for the Millennium Falcon? Oh, it turned on. There it is. Let's yep. go get it. Like, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's kind of like Nero sitting in space for 30 years right. waiting for Spock. You no, know, it's just dumb crap that doesn't make any sense and it's meant to serve the plot. And I know the defenders will be like, oh, well, you know, you got to move the plot forward somehow. Well, James Cameron moved the plot forward in Titanic and he moved the plot forward in Avatar. And I'm not asking those questions because at least on the surface, it all makes some fucking sense. You're right. I think Cameron would not have allowed that scene. He wouldn't have allowed any of those scenes to transpire right. without a little more context. Like there would have been reasons for those things happening and there are no reasons in the force awakens for some right. of that stuff happening. It happens because it's convenient and it needs to. Right. The force awakens is not a perfect film. JJ Abrams acknowledged that the force awakens is not a perfect film. Yeah. You know, he acknowledged that he made some mistakes and he made a big mistake. And he wishes he could go back and, and do it over, but it's done now. No, that's not true. Well, You can always redo Star Wars movies. You know yeah, that. Uh, that's true. J.J. Abrams yeah. special edition is coming in 20 years. Was it Plinkett who said that he thought that George Lucas might actually be a secret genius mm-hmm. in that trailer for mm-hmm. The Force Awakens? Because he's going to do He's like, you know, the whole plot was for him to come back and direct episode nine and finish the whole thing off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that's in the plan. Oh, boy. But, you know, George. Here, here's the thing. With Lucas, as far as that goes, the prequel trilogy was not good because he was too fixated on advancing the technology of of cinema and not focused enough on the story. And there is a medium. There is a way to balance the two. My best buddy, James Cameron, did it with Avatar. He found a way to make a 3D movie worth watching in 3D. You know, he found a way to take the technology of cinema and merge it with a story. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the craft of filmmaking. One of the reasons why Avatar's story connects with people is because it is simple and it's not complicated and it doesn't make you not care about the technical side of it. The two go hand in hand. Yeah. They go hand in hand in a very, in a very subtle way. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't overwhelm you with a complicated story. We don't overwhelm you, but we, we want to blow your story. We, we, uh, we make the element that we're looking for called unobtainium. You get it? The funny thing would be if somebody in the movie said unobtainium, really? <laughs> It really is this where we're taking our script? I, I mean, our lives. I wouldn't object to Lucas coming back to direct the last movie. It's just I that would. he wouldn't be able, he wouldn't be able to have the last say, though. That's the thing. Yeah. And I don't think Lucas can work under those conditions. He has to be his own. It wouldn't guy. happen anyway. Yeah. But no, it wouldn't happen. Anyway. I would. Yeah. I would not want. He's it. already voiced his objection to the way that they're going with the Force. Awakens yeah. He's already said, "Ah, oh, they made a movie for the fans." What a crime, George. And and him making that criticism completely justifies everything we've said about him. Every criticism that's ever been leveled against him for the prequels. But the the apologists are out in force now. They're like, oh, well, he tried to do something new and original with the prequel movies. Yeah. Jar Jar Banks is original and new? I guess. If you're an idiot. You can say that at least he was doing new things, but if none of the new things are interesting or engaging, what does it fucking matter? Do you really care that there are Reeks and Ackleys in this movie? Do you really care that that there are vulture droids and tri-fighters? Does any of this shit even matter? Oh, he did a bunch of new stuff. Oh, he introduced Count Dooku and General Grievous. Shit characters. The only reason that they're any good is because of what's done with them. Look at all this new stuff. What the fuck is going on in this movie? (laughs) There's all this great new stuff. Who's fighting who? Yeah. But, hey, at least it's all new. You know, like, to me, like, saying something's new isn't a virtue. 
enjoying something is more important than experiencing something new for newness's sake. Like innovating. I got a new toaster that burns every piece of bread I put in it. Hey, but at least it's new. <laughs> that might be the best analogy for the prequel movies. Yeah. I got a new toaster, but it fucking sucks. But at least it's new. People that are coming out and defending it saying, at least, at least he tried to do new things. Okay, fine. He tried. And he fucking failed. <laughs> and it's like I said before. If somebody had told you in like 1990, he's going to make these new movies and they're going to suck. You'd oh. be like, I don't believe that shit for a second. I, but I, it happened. Yep, it happened. The same guy made. Yep. It's, like, how did it's the, the kind of thing a hundred years from now, if people were to write it as a story, no one would buy it. Yeah, they would be like, this is contrived. I don't know. Yeah, I, did I, this I, really happened oh, this way? Really? Oh, the, so the guy made three of the most beloved movies of all time, and then he went on to make, he went on to become the very thing he despised. He became the corporation that he rebelled <laughs> against, and then he made the next three movies, and they were terrible. This is bullshit. <laughs> this would never happen. That guy would never give up his rebellious roots. <laughs> romanticized crap yeah so um, star wars apprentice watch it i will uh as soon as this is over better than anything in the prequels in fact i might stick around and watch it with you yeah we'll watch it after this we'll yeah. watch it down here okay. in the uh state-of-the-art gaming am cinematic system yep yeah it's an auditorium that seats uh 200 yeah but we're the only two that are ever gonna be yeah we uh, yeah we're, uh, denny runs the film he runs the projector we don't let him touch it, though. Yeah. Remotely. Or remotely. <laughs> it's a remote. <laughs> With low batteries. It's a, it's a, and he has to constantly take the batteries out and put them back in to get the thing the other, working swap again. Swap them. <laughs> <laughs> Keep swapping the batteries. We're going to have new ones. Just. I don't know about this for you, but have you ever been in a situation where you had plenty of double A's laying around somewhere? But you didn't want to get up and put them in, yeah. so you just take the batteries out and swap, swap them, so, them. That, so that the. But the thing is, you could go and get new batteries anytime, yeah. but you don't. You yeah. just swap them. I bought I bought a box of fifty of them from Menards, but they're down ten stairs. Right. I'm up here. Fuck that. Swap them. Yep, I, I do it all the time. Yeah. And like put tin foil in the space <laughs> to like make the connection better. I've never. I'll go and get far. yeah. I'll go and get tin foil before I'll go downstairs and get new batteries yeah, and it's... like ball it up and put it in the space. Make the connection better. Spin them with your thumb. No. Yep. Yeah, right, get new ones. Birthdays. Got a couple birthdays. Martin Alessi, EGM. If you're out there, I know you just had a birthday. Happy birthday, man! You're old. You know who else? Um, Danny and Dilla. Like one day apart at the end of the month. Really? Yeah. Happy birthday, man. That's our crew. Happy birthday, fellas. Mm -hmm. You're all old now. Dillip's not as old as us. Well, I'm not as old as you. No, I mean, how old? You're like three years older than me, right? You're still old. Yeah, but not as old as you. I feel young inside. You're right. That's what counts. That's what matters. You're just more seasoned. Age is a number, man. It's just a number. Birthdays, that's a whole new thing. I didn't yeah. even know you were going to do that. You yeah, yeah. fucking totally surprised me, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we, just for people we like, you know, which are very few and far between. That, that segment will be, you won't hear that segment a lot. This segment might have its own birthday because we'll only talk about it once a year. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, everybody's birthday is like in the same month. I mean, yours and mine are different, but uh, they're, yeah, those are all Yeah, but it's everybody like, knows our birthday. I think it would be fun to uh, give, them a, give them a little shout out, you know? Sure, um, why not? You were doing. Uh, you're, you happy. You, yeah, that's that's what this is all about. 
You were talking about Darth Maul. I want to talk about another online production that we both watched. Mm-hmm. I got you into uh, Star Trek yep. Continues. I still haven't watched all the episodes yet, but the but the ones I've watched, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, basically, it's um, like Star Trek. You know, if you don't know a lot about Star Trek, the original series was canceled after three seasons. Well, it's canceled after two. Well, there was a letter writing campaign. campaign Yeah, like before the internet, you know, before any of that stuff, these people managed to cobble enough. It makes you wonder how many people would have written in to keep the show going had there been an internet. Yeah, yeah. It would have been insanity. Yeah. They probably would have completed its five-year mission. Yeah, because back then it was like – it was the only thing like it. You know, now there's like all kinds of shit that's similar and, you know, if something gets canceled – the petition will appear and it'll just yeah. disappear as quickly as it appeared and oh, because right. there's just so much crap out there. But back then, it was the only thing like that. So the people that liked it really liked it because it was unique in that day. You know, I've and- often said that the original series is the best Star Trek. It's I know that you like Deep Space Nine the best, and I'm not taking anything away from that mm-hmm. show. But and the thing is, Deep Space Nine is really cool because as a Star Trek show, it pioneered a lot of shit that Star Trek hadn't done right. before. Right. The original series was a pioneer. Of television. Of television. Yeah. <laughs> and even though it was cheesy as fuck at times, it also was unlike anything else. Even today, it's yeah. unlike anything else. It still else holds out up. There. Uh, it holds up better if you watch the remastered editions mm-hmm. because they've got the, the new special effects right. and they're, you know, it's more believable. But I just, but I just love the style and flavor of the original show. It's just, yeah. there's nothing like it. Yeah. It's, it's just that great. So, a bunch of people who feel the same way as we do. And had some money, <laughs> decided to throw together and and complete the five-year mission. That's what they want to do. They want to complete the five-year mission. And they are nailing it, man. Everything from the lighting to the camera work, camera angles, a lot of close-ups, a lot of light, you know, the, the way the lighting is, the design of the ship. Everything is just fucking spot-on perfect, man. It is just unbelievable. Yeah. What, a, what a great job they're I- doing over there. I cannot believe how good the show looks. It's like they've just managed to faithfully reproduce it. In fact, the, the Mirror Universe sequel episode, yeah. like the way that they end it, yeah. it starts with the end of the original episode. It starts with the – yeah, you, they reproduce the end. And that, That's the thing, that they scene re- in particular – They reproduce it. They didn't like just take the footage from the old episode. And that scene in particular showcases what a great job they're doing. If you watch them side by side, it's like, oh, my God. It's like unbelievable what a good job they did. So – yeah, it's called Star Trek Continues. They've uh, they've done six episodes so far. Uh, the guy that created it is actually the guy that plays Captain Kirk, this fellow n- named uh, Vic Mananya, who is actually has another claim to fame besides Captain Kirk on Star Trek Continues. He is the American voice actor of uh, Brawley on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, what a weird thing for him to do. And the only thing about Brawley I like. And... In addition to doing the voice of Brawley, he sings the American theme song to uh, Dragon Ball Kai. Very cool. It's insanity. That, like, yeah. he's, he sang the theme song, he voiced Brawley, and he's also Captain Kirk. The dude is a renaissance man. He's yeah. awesome. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my wife calls him my man crush. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, they're on like episode six. They're doing uh, Indiegogo. They did a Kickstarter. And then they did a second Kickstarter to pay for the production of the first six. So now they're doing an Indiegogo this time to pay for production of. And they want to go all the way to the end. And they want to actually do a finale, like a a proper finale episode and end the five-year mission. So uh, you're on on Indiegogo right now. It's a blessing because it's a nonprofit thing, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. So everything they make and they have pie charts that show this is where all the money goes. Nobody makes a salary. Uh, really cool guest stars. They had like Aaron Gray on one episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Lou Ferrigno 
on another episode. Uh, the dude that played remember the episode with Apollo, mm-hmm. where he was like shooting, he was real big and he was shooting lightning bolts at him. They got that guy to play Apollo again. This is very cool. Yeah. But doesn't Michael Dorn have a role in the show? Uh, he was the, uh, well, it's interesting because it was uh, Majel Barrett, Gene Roddenberry's wife, yeah. did the voice of the computer. In Star Trek The Next Generation, Majel Barrett played Troy's mom. Yeah. So they're like, Majel Barrett's gone. Wouldn't it be appropriate if we got her on-screen daughter to do the computer? So Marina Sirtis is the voice of the computer. That's right. And Star Trek continues. But in the Mirror Universe episode, it was Michael Dorn yep. doing the the male computer voice. The... So how cool is that, that the, that the actors from Star Trek The Next Generation are willing to get involved with this production? That should tell you how cool this is, mm-hmm. that they're willing to associate themselves with it. And I want to give Paramount some props here. Yeah. Because they're being really cool about it. Because uh, I guess there was an issue with one of the episodes where like YouTube took it down. Vic Mananya calls Paramount and he's like, what's up with this? And they're like, we'll take care of it. They yeah. got his back. Because Paramount is a big company. So if they go to YouTube, of course, they get to talk to somebody. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some some. But if user, Vic goes, they're like, uh, yeah, they, well, they don't even talk to him. Yeah, yeah. That's what the, the movement, where's the fair use movement is yeah. coming from. It's because, like, the, a lot of the users who contribute the content that YouTube makes a lot of money, that Google makes a lot of money off of, they don't have an avenue to even talk to anyone. Yeah. And anybody can flag a video for any reason. You can, like, say, copyright claim. The system will automatically flag the video, take it down, you'll have a strike on your channel then the copyright claimant if they can prove they are who they say they are they're the ones generating any revenue off of the video and you have to wait 30 days before you can get it back but by the time 30 days has passed you're not gonna make any money off the video now yep and there are people on youtube that live on that i'm not trying to i'm not trying to pontificate in favor of where's the fair use but it's cool that paramount has got his back because they're going to make sure that the people that are making the effort are getting the recognition of course they don't make any money off of it but the point is they're they've got his back can you imagine disney doing that for something related to star wars or marvel doing disney doing that for something related to marvel no they wouldn't fucking care or if somebody was praising or criticizing a marvel cinematic universe movie and they flagged it so say Civil War comes out mm-hmm. and Disney flags it. Now Disney gets to make revenue off of that video for 30 days. It's a really sinister way to let other people do your work for you yeah, yeah. and make money off of it. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty fucking shitty. Yeah. Which is well, why whole, yeah, the whole climate is just really awful. And you really have to think about like it's one of the factors that went into like when we decide to make this podcast. Put our, you know, we, we're going to go out there and become content creators online. There's a whole bag of worms that goes along with that. You know, it's like eventually somebody's going to flag us for something and we're going to have to deal with that. But, you know, I look at that as all part of the learning process. It right. just sucks that it's like that. Right. Because think about all the people that are creating stuff like the Star Trek Continues people. Right. If Paramount had been a bunch of dicks. They would have spent all that money and all that Kickstarter money and all that Indiegogo money and they're just all down the shitter well, because – think about this though. I'm even going back further. What if Paramount gets wind about Star Trek Continues and it's just starting to ramp up and they're just going on to crowdfunding – and Paramount's like, no, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, this wonderful production that – would have never got to see it. It would have never ever. got to see it, ever. Yeah. And all it would have shown is that people aren't allowed to be fans of something and share that with other people yeah. on the internet. Yeah. Because, you know, you're just going to get And when you watch it, like, hammer. the love is so evident. From everybody. Yeah. It's uh, just – Everybody it's involved great. in the production. Uh, uh, Grant, Grant A. Mahara from uh, Mythbusters – Play Sulu. Chris Dewan, the son of James Dewan, 
the real life son plays Scotty. Mm-hmm. It's cool. How cool is that, man? It's totally awesome. To show you the other side of it, the dark side of this, there was recently an Aliens fan film, like in the last six months, that was being produced. Yeah. And it was going to deal with um, Newt, uh, Newt's daughter, I believe. Okay. But the actress that played Newt was going to play Newt's mother no, neat. in the production. And the guy that played Frost in the bit character, yeah, minor yeah, yeah. character, he yeah. was the guy that was sitting at the table and he's like, I guess you don't like the cornbread either. <laughs> right. That yep. guy. And the yeah, guy yeah, who yeah. fucking was carrying the ammo and it blew up. And that guy, was gonna, that actor was going to be coming back and playing that character's brother because he wanted to find out what happened to his brother. I don't know if it's 20th Century Fox or whoever, Brandywine or whoever owns the rights to Aliens. They came and they said, don't do that. It could have been a great, fun, 20-minute, 30-minute, hour-long fan film using assets and actors from the actual film. It could have been something special. You know, as long as they're not making money off of it, who cares? Yeah. Let them make it. Yeah. Because now we have Star Trek Continues. Now we have Darth Maul Apprentice. You know, exactly. And when I I first went to uh, watch it, I'm like... There's always that negative stigma in the back of your mind. Oh, it's a fan film. It's not the real thing. William Shatner is Captain Kirk. Because I like would eh, fan shit. I don't really, you know, whatever. Yeah, I but, actually uh, I don't know I don't know what made me bite the bullet and give this one a shot. But I did. And the guy, Vic Minagno, playing um and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I'm sorry if I'm not Vic. He'll never fuck you now. Yeah, dang it. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> So uh, he nails it, man. You saw you it. Suck. He might let you suck his dick. Yeah. Yes. But he won't fuck you. No. Yeah. But while, while I'm doing it, he can be like, Kakarota! <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. Okay. Um, so um, I lost track now because I So just, you were saying he, did, he does he a nails good job the role. Kirk. He does such a good job. Like, I mean, he's not William Shatner. He would say the same thing. He's Captain Kirk. Yes, I'm just portraying him but right. he's doing a hell of a job he is doing a hell of a job and i mean i remember when i watched it with you you were like man this guy he's got like the mannerisms the way the, he moves the mannerism cadence everything is perfect i mean it's like you know you can tell it's not william shatner but he manages to capture the essence of it totally. very very well yeah yeah so he nails kirk just like he would nail you <laughs> it's just ridiculous um, hey, you brought up the man crush. Yeah, well, I I shouldn't have. It's like it's, my wife is always, you know, it's him and like uh, um, uh, Sam Witwer should say the same thing. Oh, you always you know, Sam Witwer. Yeah. Sam Witwer's the same way. He showed up in like a bunch of stuff. I was watching Smallville. He showed up in Smallville. He was in um, The Force Unleashed, that fucking awesome the video Star one, Wars yeah. video game, playing uh, both the main character Star Killer and Emperor Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And then he did that wonderful. Uh, Ape on uh, Return, uh, of, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, where Luke, where Luke shits. shits his <laughs> and he, it's a one-man show. He plays all three characters. He <laughs> plays Darth Vader. He plays Luke Skywalker, and he plays Emperor Palpatine. And it's unbelievable. Yeah, just yeah. I don't know where on the internet you'd find. And now him. yeah, he's Darth Maul on Clone Wars. And now he's Darth Maul on Clone. Yeah, just all this stuff that I like. He yeah. just he pops up in. In fact, he's the he's the only thing I really liked about being human. Yeah, for as long as I watched it, like at the start. I, the premise was somewhat interesting, but I thought the guy that played the werewolf was a bit too, um, I don't know. He just. He was uh, Jimmy Olsen in uh, yeah. Superman Returns. Well, he just, he was also the guy that, um, he's also the guy in uh, not another teenage movie that was willing to let the girl shit on him. That's right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's like, I would be honored if you take a dumb on me. 
like, God, I forgot about that. Th- there's something about that guy that's just like it's Sam. I don't know. His all his name is also Sam, yeah. but he's goofy. It's just he Huntington. He, Sam Huntington. Yeah, Huntington. he doesn't have the type of presence to play that that particular. I mean, he's fine in other stuff, but he didn't have the presence to play the world. And the ghost character was just annoying. I yeah, just yeah. couldn't stand her. Yeah. Now the British version, I like all the characters. That I haven't checked it out yet. I should. But uh, but I, I only liked Sam Witwer on the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. But then they kept kicking the shit out of Aiden. Like they just kept beating the crap out of him. Yep. It's, it turned into Worf. It's like I want to like this character, but when the fuck does he stand up and start kicking some ass? It's like Spike and Buffy. Like Spike was Never awesome. Watched Buffy, huh? Never watched Buffy. It, it's... So give me some context. Well, okay, you know Worf in Star Trek. I'm a Klingon. No, who's this? Worf? Worf. I've never heard of this character. Just like I've never played Street Fighter. Right. <laughs> Worf always gets the shit kicked out of yeah, him in yeah. Star Trek. Like you were surprised. When Another he... good thing about Deep Space Nine that he became. Yeah. The he became what he's supposed he, to be. He became the character. But go on with what you're saying. Yeah. You surprised when Worf won a fight on Next Gen. By the same token, it's like you were surprised when Spike won a fight on Buffy. Yeah. And you know you're surprised when Aiden actually wins a fight. Who on is that? Game. That actor is fantastic. What's his name? Um, James Marsters. Mar- Marsters. Yeah, James I, Marsden he's... played Cyclops. James Marsters played Spike. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, Marsters is awesome. For he's a while good. there, after Angel ended, he was like going to uh, – Joss Whedon was talking about doing a Spike train. He's like, I'll do it, but I'm getting older. I don't have much more time for this. we got to do it. It just never materialized. Yeah, that's too bad because yeah. he is really, really good. Yeah. He was in another show I watched called uh, Torchwood. It's a spinoff of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. He was a character in that. He's really good in that too. Uh, he was also Piccolo. Um, in the uh, Dragon Ball, in the Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Evolution that I never watched. Yeah, that's another one that my wife was like, "I'll watch. I'll take the yeah. bullet. I'll watch it." She was like, "Yeah." It's and a- he was Brainiac on Smallville, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, he was good in that too. Despite it being Smallville, he was. He made. I'm like, this is like such a dumb premise that he's just this guy, but he made the role cool because it was him. Yeah. He, he was that good. So anyway, yeah, it's um, it, it's uh, how do we get on people getting the shit kicked out of them? Because um, Star Trek continues and Worf and. Yeah. It doesn't matter. This is what we're well, talking just, about no, now. Now this is driving me crazy. I need to know, like, why did we get a talking? The thing is, we can always just go back and check the recording. But Facebook, Twitter, we're on YouTube. We have our commercial. Yep, it's a good commercial too. Yeah, yeah. everyone I've shown it to has laughed. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the intention, though. We were, you know, we were playing it straight, but for some reason, people are laughing at it. I can't figure I- it out. I kind of look at it as taking chicken shit and making chicken salad. There you go. You know, you can listen to it on, us on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. And also you can visit uh, the video game repro shop that I don't own, Red Repro, repro.rad.tv. And uh, you can vi- you can uh, come and see what I'm writing at uh, www.operainfall.com. And uh, www.gamingam.com. Yeah, that, that one just as well. I post a lot as of As you my- know, J.J. Abrams personally responded and apologized right. for something that Tom posted in a blog. Based so. solely on what I posted. He never would have realized the futile error of his ways had he not read my article. So you absolutely, absolutely should be following Tom's writings because he is a visionary. He knows what he's talking about. Thank As am I. But. You are. But you're visionary. You're, I'm a visionary writer. You're visionary in other ways. Yeah. I invented the flaming dragon punch. Mm-hmm. So That's true. Yeah. That's it. Episode... What are we on, four? Uh, Episode four. Yeah. I'm Ray Price. I'm Tom Tolios. We'll catch you next time. It was really nice of uh, M. Bison to wait for us to do all that. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, he parked. Yeah. And he was like, eh, all right. He's looking at his watch. 
I wonder if he was taking notes. He's going to visit all those places yeah, yeah, yeah. after He's he tries to, to kill uh, us. I'm going to kill them and I'm going to check all this crap out. Won't he be upset when he <laughs> kills us and there's no new content? <laughs> well, live and learn, I guess. He never will.